everyone, it's Jeff Anderson from Modern Combat and Survival, and how would you like to get in the best shape of your life and fine-tune your combat and firearm skills all at the same time? Well, let me help you out with that. Check this out. bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging, would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, you know how to survive? If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. Okay, everyone, it is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival and executive director of the New World Patriot Alliance. And if you caught last week's podcast, it was the, the topic was Sheepdog Morning, which was all about how to own the day, how to set up your day with a tactical mindset and to prepare yourself for being able to approach every day as a protector and a sheepdog within our society. And there were lots of great tips in there. And one of them that I offered was the, in the things that I do to set up my day is the workout that I do in the morning, and I call it a tactical workout or tactical fitness. And it's a way that I've been using recently to be able to still do, still get my workouts in, but then also fine-tune my different skills that I, that I, I want to perfect for firearms training, for self-defense training, to be able to incorporate both of them at the same time for a number of different reasons. And my promise in that last podcast was that I was going to share with you exactly how to do this so that you can put it into your workout if you follow those same tips from Sheepdog Morning from the last podcast that we did. So to fulfill my promise, here we are. But first, let's let's talk about why this is a critically important part of your self-protection training, of being a protector for you and your family. And there's lots of reasons for that. I mean, one is part of the survival equation that many people don't even talk about is the fitness aspect of it. Okay, now I know a lot of people think, well, I don't need physical fitness to protect myself because I've got a gun. Well, that's not exactly true. Uh, one is you never know when you're going to have to fight to get to your gun. And fitness is certainly part of that equation. Perhaps, perhaps even, even just as important or even more important than the skills that get you there to begin with. Okay, well, I wouldn't say that. I would say probably, you know, skills are more important but certainly your level of physical fitness is a big factor in you being able to fight to your gun. The other aspect of it is that in an adrenalized state or doing some of the things that you might have to do from running for safety, running to cover, running even to go get help if a family member is injured in an attack or something like that, you never know. So being in the best physical shape that you can be in is going to help you in that survival scenario as well. Not to mention in a natural disaster or anything like that, you never know when you're going to have to use your muscle, you're going to have to use your stamina, even just your mental faculties. All depend on your physical training. Be able to lift something off of someone if it's a natural disaster and somebody's pinned under you know, part of a home or, or, or a log or something like that. There's lots of reasons why your physical fitness needs to be a part of that survival equation and 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 this is going to help you really get that. 
Another reason why is just maybe just look in the mirror, okay? Um, not to get too egotistical with this, but, you know, are you really happy with how you look in the mirror? Have you been letting your, your diet get away from you? Have you been letting your your body get away from you? And you're going to have to take an, an, a good, honest look. You're going to have to do that for yourself. But for me, it's really important for me to be able to perform well, to be able to look the best that I can and be in the best health that I possibly can also. Uh, not just for, for me and my own ego, but really for my kids to be able to be healthy, to be able to do things that I want with my family is all a big aspect of it as well. But let's talk about why you would combine your exercise routine and the skill development that we talk about with firearms training and combatives training or any other type of training that you want to do that's going to be there for self-protection. And another re one of the reasons why is it makes it more realistic when you combine these two. And when you think about it, the way that most people train for a life and death encounter is really under ideal conditions, right? I mean, you think about it. I mean, it's it's your, if you're down at the range, you're training in a relaxed atmosphere. You're training in with with static targets. You don't have the adrenaline going and things like that. It's pretty much a relaxed environment. Even if you're doing hand-to-hand -hand combat training, even if you're doing sparring, it's all in a controlled environment, right? You have padding. You have uh, it's relaxed inside of the training environment. You're focused on punching a bag that doesn't punch back or focus mitts or something like that. And, and in this, in this uh, what I'm going to be going through with you today is going to help you whether you are focusing on all of the elements of your combatives training, including tactical firearms training and hand-to-hand -hand combat training, even weapons training as well. So, so whether you only do firearms training, but you don't do any hand to hand, or whether you do hand to hand, you don't do, you don't have firearms, it doesn't matter. You're going to be able to custom tailor this to exactly what you want to do to be able to um, to do it. But the point here is that most people are training under these ideal conditions. But but when you think about it, criminals don't attack under ideal conditions, right? When I mean, they attack when you least expect it, they attack in numbers. Uh, you know, you might not be doing a lot of multiple attacker training in either your firearms or your hand-to-hand -hand combat training, which can be very exhausting. It requires different skills, things like that. So obviously those are not ideal conditions, right? The things that you're going to have to do. So if you're training for the best case scenario in a relaxed environment with static targets and, and, and without the adrenaline, all the other factors that come into that, if you're training for a best-case scenario, then you're really not prepared entirely for a worst-case scenario, okay? But with the combining of your tactical skills and an exercise program that's going to work your body more in a way that is not only functional but also is realistic in, in the different things that you're going to experience during a real attack – then that helps you to train for the worst case scenario where you are exhausted, where you do have to fumble for your weapon when you don't have those those fine motor skills that you would typically have. We'll talk more about that as we go forward, but if you're if you're training for a worst case scenario, then you're you are prepared for a best case scenario, right? So if it is only one attacker in front of you and you have you're not exhausted and you can quickly take them out with the right skills that you're going to be practicing well, that just makes it all the easier for you. But but basically, training for this worst-case scenario is going gonna, is gonna to be what's really going to help you expand your effect, effective zone for being able to defend yourself. 
Also, combining these two helps identify weak areas that you have to work on. An example here might be for your firearms training, okay? So, again, ideal conditions, you're standing there, you have maybe a, your weapon is already drawn because you're not able to use do concealed carry at your range, or if you're doing concealed carry, again, it's in a relaxed atmosphere and and things. But when you think about it, you might be in other positions when you're attacked, right? You may get carjacked, which is in an ideal condition, right? You're seated down now. So how do you get to your weapon when you're seated? How fast can you get to your weapon when you're seated? It might be that you are ambushed and you are hit over the head and you are knocked down. Now you're on the ground and you're trying to get to your weapon. So there might be different positions that you're going to be drawing from as well. And so as you're in these positions, as you're using them the way that we're gonna be talking about, it's gonna help you identify those areas where you're not as prepared, maybe as you thought you had to be even for these different types of scenarios, okay? The other thing that it does is it really hardens your survival mindset. And I know people talk about mindset all the time and, and we do as well, but again, it's typically under relaxed conditions, right? I mean, you're, you're your tactical mindset might be being aware in the parking lot and looking for danger, uh, making sure that you're in yellow zone everywhere you go, that you're always on the lookout for potential attacks. Things like that go into a tactical mindset. They absolutely do. But if you're exhausted, and and trust me, I mean, if you've ever done like you know hardcore boxing training or mixed martial arts training or or anything that you've really had to exert yourself, and you get to this point where you're like heaving and you're you're breathing really hard and you're out you're you're really out of breath well your your mind is like, "Wow, this sucks, <laughs> you know it just absolutely sucks. Why am I doing this and I gotta tell you every time I'm driving to my martial arts class, I'm thinking, "Why the hell am I doing this? You know it's gonna suck because I go all out when I do my training, so I I don't hold back, which gets me very exhausted. And as I'm heaving on the floor, I'm often like, why the hell am I doing this? Well, being able to go to that extent, push myself that far is what gives me the ability that you don't want to be thinking, well, this sucks when you're in a gunfight or when you are defending yourself in a hand-to-hand -hand combat fight. You want your mind on the gunfight. You want your mind on destroying your attacker. You don't want it on, I can't breathe very well. I can't, you know, I'm really exhausted. You don't, you don't want those things to creep into your mind. So being able to combine these two skills with your exercise program and your, your tactical skills together is what forges that survival mindset or that hardens that mindset so that it's not uncommon for you and you can fight through it. You can, you can get your mind focused in on the task at hand, which is taking out that attacker any way that you possibly can. Okay. And the, and the last reason I'll share with you is because it makes both of these things fun. Now, let's face it, working out can suck, right? I mean, I mean, a lot of times, I mean, a lot of people start an exercise program with a lot of motivation, but then they, they get, you know, they get started with it and they're, they're motivated for a little while and it's like, ah, oh, this sucks. I have better ways to, to, to make my work. Oh, this is boring. And a lot of different exercise routines can be boring, right? I mean, you might, if you, if you think about just getting on the treadmill for a long period of time, well, that can be pretty boring. Okay. So there, there are different, there are different, you know, ways that you can make that more exciting. And by combining your tactical skills makes it more fun to be able to do your exercise routine and, vice versa. So a lot of people really don't go to the range very often or if or they don't take martial arts lessons or any sort of self-defense 
type course. Or even if they do, oftentimes they're not practicing in between those classes. They're just basically going to class, getting some exercise, or, or getting getting those you know skill develop getting that skill development done. And then they're changing from there. I mean, they're I mean they're just not going. They're not staying in that mode of training. They're switching it all up in between classes by not doing anything at all. Well, by incorporating it into your your workouts, it makes it more fun, especially the way that I'm going to be talking to you about it. But it also um, make sure that you even get it in, okay? So I'll, I'll be giving you a, a few examples of that going forward here. So I'm going to show you five different steps that you need to do to incorporate this into your sheepdog morning as well. But before we get started, go ahead and check out this special message. Imagine staring up at a six foot nine, three hundred fifty pound biker dude, rage in his eyes ready to cram a beer bottle down your throat as payback for bumping into him. Would you know exactly what to do without cowering in fear, without begging for mercy, without getting stomped to the floor and beaten while your family watches in horror? You will now with this simple three-step plan. One, don't take your family to biker bars. That's really kind of stupid, isn't it? Two, harden your mind with bulletproof warrior confidence. And three, master your own secret bag of shockingly powerful fight tricks. Waiting for you in your free DVD, you can claim now at DefeatLargerAttackers.com. In a real fight, you don't have the option of losing. Not when your life or the safety of your family hiding behind you is on the line. You need to know exactly what to do in those first few seconds of an attack and end it quickly and walk away with your life, your loved ones, and your pride intact. In this free DVD, you'll discover the street fighting secrets for how to knock a bigger, stronger man head first into the pavement with brutal, unstoppable power and speed regardless of your size, strength, or even if you've never been in a fight before in your life. Claim your free DVD now while this offer is still available at www.defeatlargerattackers.com and unleash your true potential to kick ass. And now, back to the show. Okay, we're back. And now it's time to get into the nitty-gritty of how to do the tactical fitness routine that I've incorporated in my Sheepdog Morning to make sure that you can combine both your exercise routine and your tactical skill development all at the same time, making it more exciting, making it more fun, and more realistic to be able to fine-tune those skills, okay? So I basically have five principles here for you to be able to work off of. And the, one, the first one is to use body weight training in your exercise routines. Now, I go into this very in-depth in my – I have a program called body, uh, Battle Ready Body. It's over at uh, battlereadybody.com. And when I was in the military, I was the weight control NCOIC for all the units that I was in, as well as a master fitness trainer. And it was my job to take those overweight, out-of-shape soldiers that failed their PT test or became overweight, and that, and that definitely happens in the military, right? Well, the military knows that a fat soldier is a dead soldier. So it was my job to take those those soldiers and get them back into shape. Be, or else, if they didn't, they were kicked out of the military. Now, I'm happy to say that in all of my years in the military, nobody was ever kicked out. I would, had a 100% success rate in getting all of this done. And there were some advanced techniques that I used 
in the training to be able to get them into shape very, very quickly before their next, either their weigh-in or their next physical training test or PT test, things like that. And it mostly incorporates body weight training in all of the, the workouts. Now, that's a typical military method anyway, but I've learned some advanced techniques along the way that help make that even easier, make it get you faster results, and make it more fun and exciting at the same time. Now, I'm not going to go into all of those different uh, methods that I use. If you want to really find them, if you really want to fine-tune them, you can go ahead and go to battlereadybody.com. You can check out that entire program there. But I am going to be going into one of the methods in this podcast so that you can use it for the tactical workout. So you'll have something to go away with right now. But here's the other reason why body rate training is important when it comes to the tactical fitness training that we're going to be talking about. And really it comes down to functionality because the way that you're going to be using your body in an attack is going to be through the body weight functions that you're normally used to, right? So, you know, whether you are a soldier, whether you are law enforcement, whether you are a civilian, um, if you're in a hand-to-hand fight, if you're in a clinch attack, you're pushing, you're pulling, right? Your body is, is what's doing that. Now, that's different. The movements that your, your joints are going to allow you to do and what you're going to go through is different than if you were doing a, a bench press, as an example, with, with weights, Okay, so pushing with your, your, your body recognizes your natural functions that you have, the functionality of, of, of all the different things that, the way that your body is put together. That changes when you're using a static object such as a bar with weights attached to it, okay? Same thing goes if you are lifting yourself over a wall. Let's say that you are running away from multiple attackers and you have to scale a, a fence or you have to get over a wall or something like that. Well, you're using your muscles in a functional way, the way that your body is designed, because that is why your body is designed. We didn't have weights as, as cavemen, right? Everything was, everything that we did was based upon body weight training, if you will. Okay, so using body weight training, make sure that you're incorporating functional activities and the way that your muscles and ligaments and every, and your joints and everything is designed for those things that you're going to be using it for. So when you are wrestling with an attacker, when you are trying to fight to your gun, when you're trying to escape from something or breach an obstacle or something like that, um, that's all going to be functional use of your body. That's different than using weights, all right? So the the first principle we're going to use is we're going to use body weight training for this. Now, the other thing this does is that it means that you don't even need – a a gym membership in order to be able to use this workout. In fact, it's going to look a little strange at a gym anyway. So this is something that you can do right in your garage or do it at home, in your living room. It doesn't matter. So it saves you time, it saves you money, and it makes it much easier for you as well as being much more effective. And the the effectiveness of bodyweight training, which I detail inside of Battle Ready Body as well, is that you actually do get faster results from from body weight training because it activates your central nervous system to a much higher capacity than using weight training or any other type of training. So body weight training because of the sensory input that your that your muscles and your brain gets through the body weight training, it activates that central nervous system much better, which is going to which is going to make learning the the skill development side of it 
better as well because you are supercharging the brain during these workouts, but you're also getting faster results in losing weight and building muscle as well. Okay, so that's principle number one. You're going to use body weight training. So the second part of this is you want to choose what you want to work on. Okay, what is it that what skill set do you specifically want to work on? Now think about that right now. Okay, I would start by categorizing them. Do you want to work or do you need to work more on your hand to hand combat skills? to be able to fight off an attacker, to be able to defend yourself, or even be able to fight to your weapon? So do you think that's an area that you need more help with? Or would you want to work on your firearm skills more? Is there a certain – so I would first divide out there, hand-to-hand, or is it a firearm skill? And then from there, I would just start, I would again look at, well, what within that area do I want to work on? Now, personally, I work on – all of it at different days, okay? And we'll, we'll talk about how to set that up here in, at, at the end of here, like how you can structure everything. But, but first thing you want to do is focus on which skill do you want to best develop. Now, you're, only you're going to know the answer to that, and I'll give you some examples going forward here, but you, for you, but you do want to work on what those are. Now, it could be one skill or it could be a, different, a, a set of different skills that you can incorporate into one workout. I'll, I'll talk about the difference of this here in, in just a few minutes, but you want to make a list and prioritize what it is, what skills that you want to continue to focus in on for fine-tuning. And they should be based upon need, not necessarily what you what you feel like you want to do or what's the most fun or the easiest, okay? So take a good hard look at what it is that you want to work on. Okay, the next thing you want to do is make sure that you have the right equipment to be able to do the workouts. Now, I recommend having a pull-up station for the actual workouts. Pull-ups are the hardest exercise that you can do, okay, especially with your palms facing away from you where you're doing pull-ups where you're working on your back. If you put your, your palms towards you, it's working more of your biceps. So when you do that, it's a lot easier for people. You can typically do more of those, but those are the, the best exercises that you could possibly do but they're also the hardest. But there, there are some ways to get around that, and uh, I'll, again, give you a tip on that here coming up, coming, going forward. But uh, you want to focus in, you, I mean, you want to get the right equipment that you need to be able to do the exercises. So you can do this very inexpensively. Again, a pull-up bar, even one of those ones that you can put in your doorway, they kind of just, they don't even have to clasp on. They just kind of leverage themselves into the doorway. That also makes it portable if you're traveling and you want to be able to do your workout when you're on the road somewhere. Okay, so that's an option too. But it doesn't have to be very expensive. So those aren't that, those aren't that expensive. I personally have a, a stationary pull-up pull up station where it is a, it's an extra piece of exercise equipment. It has dip bars on it for doing, um, for doing, chest and tricep dips, which is one of my favorite exercises. It has a pull-up bar on it. It also has a push-up station on it for stands, but it, that, I think that cost me $100. I think I got it on sale for $50, actually. Um, you can probably find them a lot of, at a lot of garage sales these days. Um, you know, it doesn't get used very much. It's like any other piece of equipment, but, but it's very easy. You can find those at any sporting goods store as well. I like those the best, but you can get away with just something that you can put inside of the uh, of the doorway, okay? So I would make sure that you have uh, something that you can do uh, as a pull-up station. The other thing you can do, uh, use are 
tube. So they're elastic bands, if you will. <clears throat> Excuse me, a lot of them have handles on them. So they attach off to rubber, uh, it's basically a big rubber tube, almost like a, uh, what do they call it? Like, you know, like a metal, medical tubing, but there's different thicknesses for different resistances. So that's one thing you can do. They, they sell them where you can, as a kit sometimes where the handles just clip on to whatever size tubing that you want, or you'll also find them where they're just one unit with handles and tubing. I recommend the ones that are adjustable so that you don't have to buy a whole bunch of different sizes. They're already right there and you just change the handles out. I like those a lot. You can also purchase essentially big giant rubber bands. These you also find in the fitness part of any sort of sporting goods store, but basically they're just rubber bands and you can wrap your hands inside of them. And again, there, there are different strengths of these from different widths. Some make it harder, some make it easier. You don't need to go ultra hard with these things because you're going to be working more repetition than you are actual kind of like, you know, hard, hardcore resistance training. But those will work out well for you as well. Uh, some things that will make this different, though, than just exercising is you're going to need something to be able to use as a target. So one thing you can do is my preference is I have a Bob training dummy. Now, that's the body opponent bag or Bob training dummy, which is used a lot of times for martial arts and for boxing, but it is a lifelike looking punching dummy, basically. It has a stand on it. Uh, mine goes all the way down just below the groin. They make these that are just the upper torso. That's all you really need. But I like to have something as realistic as possible. So I have a Bob training dummy. I go went ahead and colored in his hair. I also have a wig for him. I also put um, clothes on him as well, so it looks as much like a real person as possible. I even took a black magic marker, and I make uh, the eyes look more like regular eyes, so it's not just some big fleshy bag sitting in front of me. I want it to look as much like a person as possible, and I use that both for my firearms training as well as for the hand-to-hand -hand combat. But that's what I prefer is the Bob training dummy, but you can use a heavy bag as well. It does help to have something that you can strike really hard so you can make your training as realistic as possible, whether you're doing firearms training or you're doing uh, just hand-to-hand -hand combat training type of stuff, okay? But I prefer the Bob training dummy. The other thing you want is if you're going to be focusing in on firearms development skills, you want to, you want to have a uh, something you can do dry fire with. Now, this can be your own weapon. If you prefer, just make sure, of course, that your weapon is is uh, does not have a loaded magazine in it, that there is no round in the chamber, that you quadruple check it, that there's no ammo in the same room. I know people will go down the list of of um, what some people would say as being overcautious, but I would much rather be overcautious than people having some sort of negligent discharge and somebody getting hurt. So make sure that there's no ammo in the same room as you. You can even put inside uh, like a zip tie inside of there to just make sure that there's nothing that goes through it. But you want to be able to have something that you can use for dry fire training. Now you can also use a CERT training pistol, which is a laser training pistol. Um, I have one of those as well. You can also use an airsoft version of your firearm, which I also have as well. I recommend getting a gas blowback. I have a gas blowback version of my Glock 19. Um, love that. You can also just use a, a training gun, just the, just the blue gun, 
which is just a plastic weapon. I prefer to get as, as realistic as possible, either by using your 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 actual weapon, or I, I personally prefer to use my, my gas blowback uh, airsoft pistol is what I prefer to use, okay? But you will, if you're gonna be working on firearms training, you want to make it as realistic as possible. You might wanna use gloves, some sort of, um, not boxing gloves, but some sort of protection gloves if you're gonna be striking and you wanna do that. I personally don't. I personally want it to be as realistic as possible. I never use gloves, even in my martial arts training when I'm, when I'm in my classes. Um, does it mean bloodier knuckles? Yes, it does, which is exactly what I'm looking for because I want to feel that pain. I want to make it as realistic as possible. I want to build up the calluses where I need the calluses and things like that. Um, but if you're going to just going to be doing firearms training and you don't want to, you know, you have you have a corporate job or something like that where you you need your knuckles not to be bruised and bloody, then you want to make sure that you have some sort of protection on there so that you can still use your strikes and everything. Um, um, so, so that's one thing. You're not going to want to use gloves if you're typically going to be using firearm training because you don't want to train in an unrealistic way that you're going to be grabbing for your weapon and it's going to be, um, you're going to have gloves on unless you're a police officer that commonly wears gloves or things like that. But again, you want to make it as realistic as possible. Okay. The, um, the other thing I would say is your clothing. So I know a lot of people will think, well, I'm going to get in you know, my shorts, I'm going to get in my workout gear and things like that. So for this, I recommend that you don't do that. I recommend that you dress in the way that you would normally dress. Now, I most often am either dressed in like cargo shorts or I'm typically wearing convertible pants that are cargo pants. So they're the ones that zipper off, the pant legs zipper off, and you can make them into shorts. I most often wear those, and so and, and that gives me more movement as opposed to like a tight-fitting pair of jeans or something like that. But if you commonly wear jeans and you commonly carry concealed in jeans or whatever, then I recommend that you do that. Now, you can also do this if you have a corporate job and you wear a suit to work and, and you still carry concealed, or even if you don't, if you're going to work on hand-to-hand -hand combat training, I recommend going to like your local Walmart or you're um, preferably like a Goodwill or something like that. And just finding some cheap suit that you can you can wear that's going to be in your size. And again, it doesn't matter if it's like, you know, patchwork, you know, Huggy Bear zoot suit or anything like that. It doesn't matter what you look like. All you're looking for is the right fit that's going to fit like your other suits. And you just want something really, really cheap because that's going to allow you to, again, if you are, let's say you're doing hand-in -hand combat training and you're getting karate lessons and you're wearing a gi and you're not wearing anything on your on your feet, well, that's not going to be how you're going to be attacked in a parking lot, right? You know, you might be walking to your car after work and you're ambushed. Well, you're going to be fighting in a suit. And so now's the time for you to see what it's like to fight in your sport coat and your dress slacks and your dress shoes uh, again, you can get a, a pair of dress shoes as well that um, I, I recommend even for your actual even for your actual day job, if you will, if you're wearing dress shoes, that you find something with rubber soles as opposed to leather soles. Now I know leather soles are are more fashionable, they're more professional, but they're also slide around a lot more. And if you're trying to fight somebody or you're trying to defend yourself. It's it's not the easiest thing to do to be able to have leather soles on. So I recommend that you get an extra pair of shoes, 
don't use your regular dress ones, but use your, your regular shoes. Whatever you wear typically, that's what you want to do this work in. I just recommend that you get cheaper versions of the same type of thing so that your training is realistic as possible. Okay. And the last thing we'll bring up for, for your clothing and, and everything is, or for your realism with your, your equipment is to make sure that you are, if you're working on firearms training, that you are using whatever, however you carry concealed, that's the way that you want to do it. So if you do carry concealed, you wouldn't use a, let's say, an open holster, outside the waistband holster, or something like that, if you typically carry inside the waistband. Uh, again, if you, if you do appendix carry, then you want to use your appendix carry holster. You don't want to switch because it's more, because it's going to be more comfortable for you. You don't want to switch to an inside the waistband or outside the waistband holster that you're going to put on your back hip. You want to focus in on the ways that you're carrying a concealed holster typically and do the same for this. Now, it might make it uncomfortable, but this is going to allow you to, again, identify where your weak areas are as you go through this because now you're going to be able to see, well, I can't get to my weapon when I'm seated in my car with an appendix carry very well, or if it's on my back hip, or whatever it is for you. You're gonna you're gonna see from different positions what the good, the bad, and the ugly is of all of this stuff. Okay, so that was principle number three: is have the right equipment. So principle number four is to set up your tactical scenario. So again, this is gonna go to what you personally want to be able to focus in on. Okay, so. It can it can really be anything based upon what it is that you want to do. You just have to decide what it is that you want to do. So let's say that you're going to be focusing in on hand-to-hand -hand combat skills. Then you want to make sure that you, let's say you have a bag, a Bob training dummy. You're going to place him in the area that you're working out. Make sure that he has, you know, water in the base, so it's it's harder to it's, hard, it's harder to hit. You want to make sure that he's set up correctly. Again, put the clothes on the Bob training dummy. You can even do it with a heavy bag and probably put some clothes on it and, I don't know, take a magic marker and draw a face on it or whatever you want to do. Um, but this is, again, where the Bob training dummy comes in handy. If you're going to be focusing in on ground fighting skills, let's say that's something you want to work, you want to focus in on, then you want to make sure that the Bob training dummy or your heavy bag is down on the ground. Maybe even that you have padding if you want to but again i like to go realistic so it might be on the ground it might be on pavement might be in the driveway not where my neighbors can see but it might be somewhere uh, where it's it's more realistic if you're going to be focusing in on firearm skills what kind of targets are you going to use again i use the bob training dummy i can shoot it with my airsoft gun i can shoot it with a cert pistol you can use dry fire training um, if you want to do, if you want to give like a parking parking lot example, you can do it out near your vehicle in a in in your driveway. So if you're going to be focusing in on firearm skills, like around a vehicle, something like that, you want to stage your tactical training area based upon the things that you want to be able to focus in on. Now, if you want some additional examples of how to do this, uh, we have a program called Dirt Cheap Gun Training, which provides you with 67 different firearms training drills that you can do. You can use those drills with your tactical fitness workout as well. <clears throat> okay, so uh, you, can, you can pretty much use almost any of those 
and just focus in on them. So it might be something where you set up um, different tin cans and you have your airsoft gun and a different thing. It could be um, targets that you set up. We, we give different drills where you can put targets on a wall. There's different things that you can do, different games you can play even, even ones that incorporate a lot of mental gymnastics as well to simulate having to you make critical decisions during a gunfight. So there's 67 drills over there. It's dirtcheapguntraining.com. You can go check it out. You can incorporate those as well. It, um, also in that in that same package, you have the opportunity of getting uh, our build your own tactical range, and that gives you plans and designs for doing different things that you can set up as well. So you can even incorporate this with our our garage shooting range, which basically allows you to make your own shooting range inside your garage or um, or other building or something like that, you can you can do the same thing. So you can work on marksmanship marksmanship skills during this as well. So there's a lot of different things you can do there. You can go check it out, dirtcheapguntraining.com. Um, so you want to set that up, set up your targets, uh, cover opportunities, things like that. So that's principle number four is to make sure that you set up that tactical scenario based upon what it is that you want to do. Okay, fifth principle, we're actually going to, this is where we put it all together and we tailor your tactical fitness routine, okay? Now, as I said, in Battle Ready Body, I cover advanced techniques that you can use to be able to get in amazing shape. Now, one of those things that we do are bodyweight pyramids. And the way that I incorporate those is, is with bodyweight training, in a pyramid fashion of a one, two, three uh, uh, component for different exercises and it based upon how hard those exercises are. So what I mean by that is we're gonna use three exercises, okay, three body weight exercises. We're gonna start with the hardest one first for a factor of one, and then we're gonna do another exercise that's gonna be a, um, a slightly easier exercise for a factor of two. And then we're going to use an easier exercise for a factor of three. Now, here's what I mean by that. Okay, so these body weight pyramids, we're going to use the hardest exercise first, which is going to be a pull-up. Very difficult for a lot of people to do. Some people can't even do one pull-up. And that's why we start with the lowest factor of one for the pull-ups. Don't worry if you don't understand what I'm talking about right now. I'm going to take you through an example of this, how it all works out here in just a minute, okay? But just to set all this up, um, is we're going to do pull-ups, then we're going to do push-ups, and then we're going to do bodyweight squats, okay? Now, the reason why those are set up in the order that they are is because pull-up is the hardest, push-up is uh, easier than doing pull-ups, Bodyweight squats where you're just bending down and like touching your ankles and then coming back up is obviously the easiest of all the exercises. So the way that we do this in a factor of one, two, and three is you are going to do like one put one pull up, then two push ups, then three bodyweight squats. That's one cycle on the bottom rung of the pyramid. Okay. The next cycle you go through is going to be two pull-ups, four push-ups, and then six bodyweight squats. So you see how what we did there, it's always a factor of one, two, three. So if, we go, if we're doing one, two, three, two, four, six, three, six, nine, 
Okay, so the first exercise is always a factor you're increasing by one. The second exercise, you're always increasing by a factor of two. So we went from two push-ups to four push-ups to six push-ups in each cycle. And then that third exercise, we're doing in a factor of three. So we started off with three bodyweight squats, then six push-ups, and then nine, I'm sorry, <laughs> three bodyweight squats, then six bodyweight squats, then nine bodyweight squats. So it was a factor of increasing by three. Okay, so that's how the pyramid goes with each one of the cycles. Now, what we're going to do, though, is we're going to incorporate our skill development in between each one of those cycles of the pyramid. And with those pyramids, what we do is we pyramid up in repetitions until we peak out of the top and then we come back down. Okay, so let's say that we were just going to do a factor of, let's just say we're going to go up to four. Okay, so we would do... Um, and that's what we're going to use for the pyramid, and then I'll explain how, how that works. Now, before we get started, let me just tell you, pull-ups are, like as I said, pull-ups are the, are the best exercise that you could possibly do. They're, they're an amazing body weight exercise. They will give you very fast results, and you will make progress very quickly, but sometimes people can't even do one pull-up, and that's totally understandable. Let me tell you, you're in the majority. You're not in the minority if that, if that means you. But there are a couple ways that you can get around that. I give some different examples inside of, of the Battle, Battle Ready Body program. But one of the easiest ways for you to do is just to focus in on the negative of the training. So what you would do is if you have a pull-up bar is you would stand on a chair and you would start with your chin above the bar. And then all you would do is just let yourself down, fighting it for a four count. Okay, so you would, it's easier to work on the negative than it is to pull your body up and over the bar. Okay, so in anywhere in this workout, if you find that you can no longer get your chin up over the bar, or even if you can't do it for the first time, what you want to do is you want to focus in on the negative cycle, meaning the, the letting yourself down from the top. You want to focus in on that area of the exercise. It's actually the most effective version of the exercise also. Okay, because of the way that it's using your, your type 2 muscles, it is, is actually the most effective phase of the exercise. So you're getting a lot out of just being able to do the negatives. Okay, so, all right, so I'm going to choose the skill that, uh, I'm going to choose one skill to develop so that I get, as I give you an example of this. And let's say that I want to work on my firearms training, and I want to work on counter ambush training. Okay, so as we talk about in our extreme close combat shooting course, it, it is uh, most of the attacks that you're going to face are going to be within nine feet. They're not going to be from 21 feet away. Nobody is going to say from across the street, hey, man, give me your, give me your, your wallet or I'm going to come over there and kick your ass or cut you or whatever. Nobody's going to do that. They're going to typically going to ambush you, or it's going to be an argument that got out of control, and then somebody pulls a knife or starts in a, off in a pushing match or something like that. Those are how real fights actually happen. Okay, they don't, the bad guy doesn't want to doesn't want to fight, right? Just wants what it what he wants, and so jumping you from as you're as you're putting groceries in your car or something like that is going to be the easiest way for them to get something. They're going to be right up on top of you, and you're not going to have you're not going to have the space, the time, or anything to be able to get to your weapon typically. 
So that's the skill I'm going to focus in on is a counter ambush type of attack. Now, one of the things we talk about this is not to try and do one of these one-armed, one-handed pushes while you're drawing your weapon, but to take your hands and basically what I call a decapitator and basically just take both hands and go straight toward their head, get them off balance, and then give, create that distance away from you rather than you giving yourself distance. You're giving yourself distance by making sure that they get away from you, okay? So we're going to work on the push, draw, engage. Now, again, this works really well with a Bob training dummy, okay? So what we do is we're going we're gonna to push, we're going to decapitate that head with both hands, giving us that that space that we need. Then I'm going to draw my weapon, and then I'm going to engage my attacker. Okay, that's going to be the drill that we're going to work on. So here's how it works. So we are going to do a warm up for our 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 exercise first. Okay, you can. There's lots of ways that you can warm up. I like jumping rope is one of the things that I like. I also do a a mace workout, which I don't have a product for, <laughs> oddly enough. But um, basically, uh, you can look up. Um, I think on it, it's called O-N-N-I-T, I believe it is. It might just be O-N-I-T, but I think it's O-N-N-I-T. You can look up Mace Workout. I actually just use a sledgehammer. works really well. Just a, a, a sledgehammer works really well. But basically, this loosens up my shoulders. I'm getting older. I'm 49 now, so, like, you know. I'm help the more warm up I can get the better um I'm going to the safer I'm going to be from getting an injury okay so I recommend you warm up before you do all of this okay okay so get a good warm up in now we're going to go into our tactical fitness program so I jump on the pull up bar I do one pull up okay now now if you're in pretty good shape that one pull up it's not meant to exhaust you you're not meant to it's not it's not meant to give you a, a work to full muscular exhaustion on that this first round. It's partially a warm up, but it also helps you develop your skills because you're starting off at a you're not like going f full bore into a realistic, adrenalized, exhausted state. You're going to work, you're going to develop your skills slowly as you work up toward this, okay? All right. So so just know that follow the numbers, don't try and go in there like you're, you know, Hercules and just try and work to exhaustion each time. Okay. So again, you're going to do one pull up, then I'm going to drop down. I'm going to, I'm going to put it in, into you doing it. Okay. So you're going to, you're going to go up, you're going to do one pull up. And when you're done with that, you're going to come down, you're going to do two push ups. make them military push ups. Don't do the caterpillar. Don't do just the, the, the shoulder push up. Do, do strong military push ups. Okay. So two push ups. And then you are going to stand up and I'm going to do, you're going to do three bodyweight squats. So hands on your hip, you're going to bend down, touch your ankles, stand back up. You're going to do that three times. From there, you're going to be in front of your, of your, of your Bob training dummy as you do this, as you do those bodyweight squats. From there, you're going to decapitate the head with both hands, pushing that Bob training dummy or your heavy bag, or even if you just have to attach a pillow to a beam in your basement. Be creative with this, okay? You're going to do the two-hand decapitation. You're going to draw your weapon, and then you're going to engage your target, okay? Reholster it. Then you're going to go back over. You know, if you're, if you're really out of shape, you, you want to maybe give yourself a 30-second to one-minute rest. Do not do more than a one-minute rest, though, 
Okay, do not do more than a one-minute rest. You want to be able to maintain as much momentum here as possible. My recommendation is not to use is to work up to where you don't use a rest at all. Okay, so now we go into the factor of uh, the next factor of two. So we go in. Now you're going to go up. You're going to do two pull-ups. When you're done with that, you're going to come down. You're going to do four push-ups. You're going to get done with that. You're going to stand up in front of the Bob training dummy. You're going to do six bodyweight squats. As soon as you're done with the last one, two hands up into the head to decapitate them. Then you're going to draw your weapon. You're going to engage the, the attacker. Reholster your weapon. Go back over. Rest or no rest. You're going to go up. You're going to do three pull-ups. Drop down. Do six push-ups. Stand up. Do nine bodyweight squats. Two-hand decapitation. Draw your weapon. Engage the target. Holster the weapon. Now you're going to go to the four. Okay, so you're going to go up. You're going to do four pull-ups. You're going to drop down. You're going to do eight push-ups. And then you're going to stand up, and you're going to do 12 bodyweight squats. Decapitate. Draw your weapon. Engage the target. Okay, by this time, your muscles are going to be pretty exhausted. You're going to start to realize, especially if you have very little, very little, um, uh, rest time in between, you're going to be huffing and puffing just like you would if you were in a real attack. You are, your muscles are going to be tense just like they're going to be in a real attack. You're going to start to lose fine motor skills you're, just as you would in a real attack. So you're starting to simulate these as you're going through and you're building up that, that skill of repetition under realistic conditions against a realistic target preferably. Okay, so you see how all this is working together? Okay, so we peaked out of the pyramid at 4, 8, and 12. Now we come back down the other side. So this is kind of a cool down, but you're still going to be pretty adrenalized because your, your body's only your body's going to need to do less anyway. So now you come down. The last ones we did were 4, 8, and 12. Now we go back down. We're going to do three pull-ups, six push-ups, nine body weight squats, decapitate, push, draw your weapon, and engage the target. Then we come back down, we do two pull-ups, four push-ups, six bodyweight squats, go through the same push, draw, engage with the, uh, with the dummy. And then we do the last one, which is one pull-up, two push-ups, three bodyweight squats, push, engage, draw, and engage. And that is the end of that tactical circuit. Now, it doesn't sound like a lot, but this will, in its entirety, depending upon rest periods you take, you will be anywhere from 15 to 25 minutes for you to do all of just all of this. That's it. Just 15 to 25 minutes, and you're done. But you got in a great workout. You also got in great skill development, and it was realistic at the same time. Plus, it also goes to show you what you can, how you can. Um, you know, again, you're going to identify different weak areas that you might have, okay? When you incorporate other exercises in this, it makes it even more challenging, for example, or not, not more challenging necessarily. Well, it will make it more challenging. Let's say that instead of doing bodyweight squats, to give you an example, we're going to be on the ground. We're going to, when we get done with our push-ups, we're going to roll over on our back, and we're going to do crunches, okay? Again, I would use that same factor 
of that three, six, nine, twelve, like that for that final exercise. But from there, you might draw your weapon from lying down to simulate that you got knocked down and you have to draw your weapon from that position and engage a target from that position. So after you get done with your crunches, then you go and you draw your weapon. You might find that, well, maybe appendix carry does work better for me if I were knocked down. You, might, you really start to test what you can and can't do because let's say that you are knocked down and you typically wear your, your holster over at like the four o'clock position, let's say, on your right hip. Well, you might find that you know, if, you, if you never train this way and you are knocked down, and your your mindset's going to go straight toward well, I've got to get to my my weapon, get to my weapon, get to my weapon. So you're going back there and you're you're trying to get to it, but in a real attack, you might that's not the time to realize that well, you know what? It's really hard to get to my weapon from where I carry it. So maybe I have to carry it a different way. Maybe I need to have a backup weapon as an ankle holster. Maybe I want to look at appendix carry. You start to figure it out what it is for you that works the best for you. Okay, so you can play around with what exercises you use for this, um, but this is kind of gives you the framework. Now, let's give you another example of of um, another option with, let's say, hand-to-hand -hand skills. Okay, so again, you can focus in on one thing that you want to do, one skill that you want to do. Maybe you're not very good at, at sidekicks, let's say. And you can do this same workout where in between every single one of your cycles that you do 10 sidekicks with each leg. You could do it like that. But here's the way that here's the way that I do it. I like to incorporate different strikes when it's my hand-to-hand -hand combat day for this workout. So, I'll do the one pull-up, two push-ups, three um three bodyweight squats, and then what I'll do is I will do a straight blast palm heels. Basically, in front of my Bob training dummy, palm heel to the face, rapid succession, 10 hands. Both of them really rapidly, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, pushing that, pushing that, trying to push that person back. Straight blast right down, just go right straight down their throat with 10 quick strikes, okay? Then what I'll do is I'll go to my next, um, uh, the next, the next round, the next cycle. I'll do my two pull-ups. I'll do my four push-ups. I'll do my six bodyweight squats. And then I'll work on front kicks. So I'll, I'll get straight up from, uh, from that. I'll face the Bob training dummy. And I'll do five kicks for each leg, just front kicks. I'll do the next round, three, six, nine, and then I'll focus on on elbows. So I'll strike the Bob training dummy, five on the right, five on the left. Okay, and I'm huffing and puffing by this time, especially without any rest in between, which is the way that a real fight is going to be, right? Um, and I like to, the more exhausted I am, I like to use. I, yell, I like to use strikes later on, you know, later on as I'm getting more exhausted, I like to get these into the, the, the higher realms of when I'm working out. I like to use ones that I'm not going to need a lot of strength for. So elbows have a lot of power, but they also don't take as much overall body strength or coordination or anything as like a punch does. Okay, so if as an example, if I'm really exhausted in my training class and we're doing palm heels or whatever, you know, once I reach exhaustion, I know that I'm hitting this thing and I'm trying to put everything into it, but I'm not getting a lot of force. I can feel like it really wouldn't hurt anybody if I did this palm heel on them because I'm so exhausted. But what I can do, what I often find is that when I've reached that point of exhaustion, 
I grab the back of that focus mitt for my training partner and I just take my whole body and I thrust it forward with an elbow, I can get a lot more power that way. So that's why I like to use these as I get more exhausted in my workout. So that three, six, nine, I'll go to elbows, five on each side. Then go up to four, eight, and 12 of the exercise cycle. Then I'll do, like say, side kicks, five on each side, or groin kicks, five on each side. So you can work on you can work on different skills within each round, or you can work on repetition. Like with firearms, I recommend you work on repetition with something because unlike hand-to-hand -hand combat training, uh, the firearms skills, just going through it one time isn't really going to give you a lot, enough repetition to be able to do this and, and, get, and ingrain it, okay? So, so that's the way I like to do it. Now, how you structure this workout is totally up to you. My recommendation for you, this only takes anywhere from 15 to 25 minutes to be able to do each, each time that you do it, okay? It's a very fast workout. It's very effective. It's very fun. You'll have, a, you'll have a good time doing it. I recommend that you do it three times a week. That's my recommendation. And I recommend that you switch it up each time. So you might work on a firearm skill, let's say, on Monday. You want to try and give yourself some space in between the workouts to give, yourself, give your body some recovery time. But uh, my recommendation would be to work on a firearm skill, let's say, on Monday. And then on Wednesday, work on your hand-to-hand -hand combat skills. And then on Friday, you might work on another skill when it comes to your firearms training. That's how I like to structure it. But how, what you, it all, again, depends on, on what it is that you're prioritizing, okay? So, and I would do that three times a week. And then you've got a great workout. You're getting in great shape. And you're getting in a lot more... I can tell you hand-to-hand -hand combat training and firearms training than probably 95% of the people out there who are non-operators, okay? So so uh, definitely give this a try. Tell me what you think about it. Go ahead and uh, leave a comment on the blog and let me know that you've given this a try. Let me know any of your your feedback or anything that you discovered during time. I'm really curious what you find is maybe some things that you wouldn't have found out some other way, like maybe some weak areas that you've identified that under stress don't work as well as maybe you thought they would, or maybe it changes the way that you carry, or you know things like that. So um, I'm really curious what, how it'll work out for you. So make sure that you go ahead and leave a comment on the blog. And until our next broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying, train hard, stay safe, prepare now. This has been Modern Combat and Survival. Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.